to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. What's up? And welcome to the Last Gen Podcast. Welcome all of you Last Geners out there. I don't know if there's a name uh, attributed to the listeners of this podcast yet, but I may have coined one just now. Uh, I am not Evangelist Alex Iaquinto. He's not with you this week. I am not Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., but I am in fact Preston Shuttlesworth from Virginia Beach, Virginia. You probably already know that this podcast will be hosted by multiple guest hosts. And so this week I have the honor of being the guest host for the Last Gen Podcast this week. And I'm glad that you're listening wherever you are and whatever time you're listening to this. I know these come out on Wednesdays, but maybe it's not Wednesday when you're listening, but maybe it is. We don't know. We can't know all things, amen. But I'm glad you're listening nonetheless. And I believe this episode will bless you. And I think it will help you very much. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'll give you a brief um, biography, if you will, of who I am. Uh, I graduated from Bible school around two years ago. I went to Bible school in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, Valor Christian College, which is Dr. Rod Parsley's school there. Uh, Did two years, uh, graduated with a ministry degree. And then when I got home, Uh, back to Virginia from school, I decided, as I felt led by the Holy Spirit to do, to travel full-time as an evangelist. And so I've done that for the past two years, Uh, have traveled to different places around the United States to preach, um, California, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Um, obviously Virginia I've preached around here quite a, uh, a little bit. And so it's been a very interesting time to be an evangelist, especially, uh, it was funny because when I began to launch out and when I first felt led to do it, it was in, you know, pandemic time. It was like March of 2020 when I really started going out and traveling full time. And uh, it's always interesting what the Lord will tell you to do when circumstances are uh, arising in the world. Uh, But I did it by faith and God's been faithful and good to me and opening doors and uh, it's been a lot of fun and I've never felt more fulfilled than uh, when you obey the Holy Spirit and do what you're called to do. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. And so if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Evangelist Ted Jr.'s cousin. I'm younger than him by I believe 16 years. And so we're cousins, but it's almost like he's my uncle because of the age difference. And uh, I hope to offer a a good perspective uh, on this topic today because I'm probably around the age of most of the listeners that listen to this podcast. I know this is a, a podcast designed for students, and uh, when I hear that word students, I'm imagining you know, kids maybe as young as 11 or 12, probably all the way up until early 20s, maybe even late 20s, uh, of people that are in school, maybe you're in college, maybe you're about to graduate, and uh, you have questions about what you're going to do about when you graduate and things like that. And so this is why I chose the topic that we're going to discuss today 
from the Bible, but I'm also going to use some articles that I thought were very interesting and had a lot of valuable information in them to give you more background about how serious this issue is. And so you've already seen the the title for this week, as we're already four minutes in, but you've seen the title, which is, What Does the Bible Say About Student Loans? And you might say, well, I don't think the Bible mentions student loans at all. Um, And so you'll see uh, where I'm coming from uh, about this issue. But I believe that this is one of the unspoken enemies of our generation. I would I would say that our generation, again, the ages of like 11 to 25, or maybe even your late 20s, that's a generation. So I believe student loans, and more specifically, student loan debt, because that's what student loans are. You know, many times, you know, they use these words to make it sound less bad than debt, but that's what student loans are. You know, a car payment or a car loan, that's also debt. They say mortgage for your house payment, which is also debt. And then they say student loans for uh, your university or tuition for school. Uh, But all of it, uh, you could call it debt. And so I want to deal with from the Bible what the Bible says about debt and what it says about how we should respond and how we should operate in this world, even while we're young, from a financial perspective. Because if you're not careful... Really, the, the system, the financial system in the United States is designed and set up for you to be in debt from the time you graduate high school to the time you retire from whatever career choice that you've chosen. But God's desire for his people, us, his children, is to be a part of his, his system and to not be in debt and to have more than enough when it comes to finances. And I want to show you that from the Bible. I know... Alex, I believe the last episode, he dealt with poverty and about not receiving uh, the poverty mentality and things like that. But I want to tackle something that I believe uh, is a student issue, especially today. I mean, it's insane. And I'm going to show you some of the, the statistics that will make you realize how bad it's gotten when it comes to student loan debt in America. Um but one thing before we go to the Bible, uh, which I'm going to go to Proverbs 22.7, if you want to go there, if you listen to these episodes with a Bible in your hand, or you can go there on your phone if you want to, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7, uh, there's a film that came out in the middle of October, uh, basically last month, uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's called Borrowed Future. It's a film, really a, a documentary about this issue that came out last month. And I would strongly encourage you to download it and watch it uh, wherever you can. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where you can watch it. I, it might even be on YouTube for free. Uh, I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But it's a film about student loans and, and the trap it is for young people. And so I would strongly recommend that you watch that film uh, maybe after you listen to this episode today. And I think it will help you make uh, wise decisions concerning your future when it comes to finances as a young person. Uh, but I want to go to the Bible now in, in Proverbs 22, 7, and we're dealing with what does the Bible say about student loans? So in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7, the Bible says in the ESV translation, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave 
of the lender. I'm going to read that one more time. I'm reading out of an ESV Bible, English Standard Version Bible, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. The Word of God says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. I'm going to read one more verse before we we dive into this today. Uh, Psalm 37 and verse 21. Psalm 37 and verse 21 says, The wicked borrow, but but does not pay back. But the righteous are generous generous and give. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 37, verse 21. The wicked borrow, but do not pay back. But the righteous are generous and give. And so one thing I want you to see from the Word of God today is it's very clear how God feels about debt. And you have to understand that student loans are debt. And I'm I'm understanding of there are some people that are in situations where going to school, going to a university and getting a degree is their only chance at uh, getting a job that will pay well and having uh, a secure financial future. Maybe that's your only opportunity. Maybe that's the only the route that you have in life. But I, I want you to know sincerely from my heart and from the Word of God today that you can make a decision to unlink yourself from the world system and link in and hook in to God's system. And you can make a decision that won't put you $100,000 behind the ball before you even get started in life. I mean, it's it's insane. And I'm going to read some statistics that I have from this article that I believe will really point out how big of an issue this is. But before I do that, I, I want you to know, I'm not coming at this from the point of view of, well, he doesn't understand that that's my only option. I, d- I didn't come from a background where my parents could provide for me uh, certain things. And so my only option is to go to a university and uh, take out student loans so that I can go to school and get a good job one day. But I want you to know that that idea, that mentality that you might have is something that God can break where God becomes your ultimate source, he becomes the one that makes the way for you, and you don't have to depend upon a corrupt, worldly system that's designed for you to be in debt from the time you graduate to the time you retire from your job. You can make a decision today on this podcast. You can make a decision from the word of God coming into your spirit that I am going to live with God as my source and God as my provider. And I don't have to make a decision that's going to put me behind for a large portion of my life. Uh, And I believe you can do that today. But I want to read to you some statistics from this article that I found very, very interesting. And so I'm reading this now from the article. It says this, The student loan crisis in this country, the United States, has become way too serious to ignore. Right now, the total amount of federal, meaning the entire country, student loan debt in the U.S. is over $1.57 trillion. That's insane. That's not me saying that. That's me reading this article. They say it's insane, which it is. $1.57 trillion of federal student loan debt in the U.S. right now. And by the way, this article was written October 12th of this year. 
And so these statistics I'm going to read to you are uh, very recent and accurate. Uh, Here are some stats on the student loan crisis in the United States. At this point, federal student loan debt has way exceeded national credit card debt by over $780 billion. Think of that. So obviously we know about credit card debt, people racking up payments and stuff on their credit card, buying things they shouldn't. And that's a, a large portion of debt also in the United States. But this statistic says student loan debt exceeds national or federal credit card debt by over $780 billion. Student loan debt has seen as almost 157% growth since the Great Recession of 2008, which if you're young, you might not know what that is or or what that was like, but that was a, a pretty bad recession for our country in 2008. And since then, it's risen, student loan debt has, almost 157%. And it's the fastest growing portion of total household debt in the U.S., There are currently about 45 million student loan borrowers in the country. 62% of students graduate with student loan debt, as of uh, that statistic is from 2019. And then hear this. The average student loan debt comes out to $38,792. And so you can't tell me that this is not an issue. You cannot tell me that this is something that's enslaving young people by the time they're 19, 20, 21, 22. It's a a serious issue, an enemy of a generation. And I believe in the word of God, you don't have to receive this kind of life. And again, this podcast is designed for students. This podcast is designed for people that are at this age bracket where you're beginning to make decisions about what you want to do post high school. And, you know, if you have a car at 16, 17 and you're making payments on it, you already have debt, you know? So I believe it's important to deal with this kind of thing even while you're young. You might be 13, 14. You might be in middle school as I'm speaking to you right now. But it's important to have an understanding of how finances work as you're young. That way, when you get to the age where you're actually making these kinds of decisions, you're head and shoulders above when it comes to your education about these kinds of issues, and it will give you a head start in a lot of ways. I thought this was interesting. I'll read this. Believe it or not, student loans haven't been around forever. They actually started in 1957, mostly to encourage more students to attend college so Americans could beat the Russians during the space race. And it worked. College student attendance shot up from 3.6 million in 1960 to 7.5 million in 1970. But you know what else shot up? Student loan debt. You might blame the crazy rise in tuition cost uh, on the surge in inflation over time or all pressures from society to get a college degree. But you can't argue with the numbers. And student loan debt doesn't look like it will slow down anytime soon. And then I thought this was interesting. There's a they have a chart here that breaks down the amount of debt for every age bracket. And so I'm gonna deal with these younger ones here. From the age range of people that are 18 years old to 24 years old, 
the total student loan debt amount is $114 billion. And then from the young adult age group, ages 25 to 34, the total student debt amount comes out to $501 billion. And so I'll stop uh, depressing you with all these statistics of how much people are in debt because of student loans, young people, and get back to the Word of God. But I felt it was important for me to make it clear about how serious of an issue that this is. And so I want you to understand something from the Bible today. You have to make a choice while you're young, especially while you're young, concerning which financial system you belong to. Because the financial system in the U.S., the one that you have, if most of our listeners, I'm guessing, live in the U.S., and so the system that you are a part of, that you live in, that's around you, is a trap. And it's a trap built upon debt. Secondly, here's something that's also very important. Universities in the U.S. are turning young people to mindless government zombies. You know something? They really, what they want to do is they want you firstly in debt, and then secondly, they want to indoctrinate you with their belief system. I want to read you a, a direct quote from a Barna research group that did a study on young people that attend universities. Listen to this. They say... Barna estimates that roughly 70% of high school students who enter college as professing Christians will leave that college with little to no faith. These students usually don't return to their faith even after graduation, as Barna projects that 80% of those reared in the church will be quote-unquote disengaged by the time they are 29. And so, something else that happens with students and people that attend secular universities is by the time they graduate from the university, they're so indoctrinated by the belief system, by atheism, by secularism, by all this kind of stuff that's plaguing universities, they're so indoctrinated by it, by the time they graduate, 80% of those that grew up in church will be disengaged or no longer attend church by the time they're 29 years old. And so you cannot tell me that university, secular universities, are not traps for the generation to get them in debt financially and then to totally brainwash them to believe whatever the secular humanistic world is believing. If you don't rely, hear me today, if you don't rely on God as your financial source, it will be extremely difficult to rely on him for anything else. If you can't believe God, my dad says this a lot, and he preaches on finances and prosperity pretty much every time he speaks. He says, if you can't believe God for the lesser thing, how can you believe God for the greater things? I want to read you a verse in Luke 16, 11. What do I mean by that? If you can't believe God for finances, which is a lesser thing, then how can you receive the faith to believe God for the greater things? And I want to read you a verse out of Luke 16. Luke 16 and verse 11. The Bible says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches. And if you have not been faithful 
Verse 12, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Other translations would say mammon, which was the, a pagan god that represented finances and things like that. And so understand something from the Bible today. You can't ride the fence with God. You can't choose to be a Christian and, and God's your source. He's Jehovah Jireh. But then also you're 65 grand in debt to some university that hates God and is brainwashing you to believe what they want you to believe. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And I, I'm telling you today from the word of God, the best choice is going the way of the word and making God your ultimate source for these kinds of things. Because God wants his people debt-free and he wants to be seen by his children as the superior, supernatural source of everything that we need. You can't serve two masters. And it's a slap in the face to God to say that he's your source and then, and then make the world and their system and their government funding, whatever it is, make them pay you or, or give you the opportunity that you're looking for. And the only way for me to receive a good job is for me to enter into this system that they've set up. And then you don't even know what you want to do. I mean, I think I have a, a, a statistic about this about the amount of people that switch their major when they go to university. And then they end up spending way more money than they thought they would because they don't even know what they want to do when they get to university. And so they switch their major four or five times. And by that time, they've racked up so much bills for all these different classes that apply to different majors that they don't even know what they want to do. And they're a hundred grand in debt. And it's a massive mistake that will affect you for 25 years, 25, 30 years after you're done. And so it's important while you're young to understand, first of all, what God is calling you and leading you to do. And then secondly, believe in God financially to open up the doors and pay the way. Something that I love that I've heard evangelist Ted uh, Jr. say is he said that if God orders something, he'll pay for it. God is not a corrupt God. God is not a swindler. Swindler. God is not trying to make a deal and make, get a two-for-one deal on your life. If God has called you to do something, he'll pay your way and he'll take very, very good care of you. I can testify of that. That God, he's not going to call you to do something and then say, okay, kid, you're on your own. You know, I love your passion for me. I love your zeal for me. I love how much you love my word and you obey me. But you're on your own. Go do your thing. And through the struggle, I'll teach you a lesson about who I am and all that kind of junk. No, God will pay your way. God will give you a full ride. 
Praise the Lord. God will pay your tuition. God will direct you on the career choice to take. God will give you favor when you graduate to get a job in that field. God will give you favor with your boss or your manager or your overseer to receive a promotion faster than those people that have been there for 15 years. Because when the hand of God, hear me, when the hand of God's on your life, he'll pay the way, he'll give you favor, he'll increase you, he'll promote you, he'll take care of you like no system of man will ever be able to take care of you. And you have to make a choice about the system you want to be a part of. Do you want to stay in Egypt or do you want to leave and cross the Red Sea and then pursue the promised land that God wants to give to you? Do you want to remain a slave in Egypt system or do you want to break the chains of financial slavery and enter in to the promise of God? I pray that you choose God's promise because you can't choose both and you can't ride the fence. I want, I want to go to Luke 14, 28 now and read you another verse about this. Luke 14 and verse 28 in the ESV Bible. It says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough money to complete it. Verse 29, Luke 14. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I just read that, sorry. Verse 31. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Again, Jesus was speaking about these systems here. Because he's not saying you have to have nothing to follow me. What he's saying is you have to get rid of everything that you got from the other system. You know, many people think in Luke 10, when it recounts the story of the rich young ruler, where Jesus told him, you know, sell all that you have to the poor and then come and follow me, that he was trying to say, oh, you can't be a follower of Christ and have things because... It's impossible. You know, it's harder for a rich man to enter through the enter through the eye of a needle than for him to, uh, oh, excuse me, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But really what Jesus was trying to get across was you have to abandon the world system and then acquire things through my system. Seek first the kingdom of God and then what? All these other things shall be added unto you. And so many people think the Bible is about having nothing, but really what the Bible is about is detaching yourself from the world and what they have to offer and then plugging in and hooking in to what God wants to give to his children. Because you read Matthew 7 about when Jesus was teaching the disciples again, and he said, how many of you, if your child were to come to you and ask you for bread, would give him a stone instead? 
Or if he came unto you and asked you for an egg, you'd give him a, a, a scorpion instead. Or if he came unto you and asked you for a fish, you'd give him a snake instead. And the disciples were like, of course not. We would give the child what they asked for, even as human beings in the flesh. And so Jesus said, of course. So if you, being mere evil men, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give to those that ask him? And so the issue is not about whether God wants to give you good things. The issue is not about whether or not God wants to bless you and take care of you. The issue is, what system have you aligned yourself with? What jersey do you have on your back? What team have you chosen? Because understand something, there's two choices. The Lord said in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, he says, I lay before you the choice of life or death. I would rather that you choose life that you might live. Blessing and cursing, light and darkness, good and evil, blessing and cursing, financial prosperity or financial poverty. There's always a line in the sand when it comes to who God is. That's how he operates. God is not a gray area God. God is black and white. God makes it plain and simple so that you can understand what is him and what is the devil. You have to understand, and one thing that people get screwed up in their theology is they don't understand something very simple. And that all that is is that God is a good God and everything good comes from him. And then the devil is an evil devil and everything that comes from him is evil. And if people would just get that in their spirit, that God is good and all that he does, all that he works, all that he speaks, all that he creates is good, and that the devil is evil and everything that he wants to do, everything that he wants in your life, everything he wants to send is evil, people would have a much easier time in their theology and in their life. But we've come to this point in Christianity where people don't know who's slapping them. People think they get slapped by the devil and then they think it's God doing it. And so they permit it in their life and they get slapped their whole life because they don't know the one who's doing the slapping. And let me tell you something clearly from the Bible, God is not doing the slapping, the devil is. And so you got to make a choice. And I read out of Luke 14 because it was talking about, again, Jesus was speaking he said, if you were going to build something, a tower in that instance, it would be wise for you before you build it to sit down and calculate and count the cost of what it would take to build the tower. That way, that when it comes to the construction phase of the thing you want to build, it's not embarrassing where you build three-fourths of it and then you, you run out of money and you can't finish it and then people mock you because you built something halfway or three-quarters or whatever and then you couldn't finish it because you didn't first sit down and count up the cost. And I don't understand why young people don't do that when it comes to how they choose their paths out of high school. Why don't you sit down and count the cost of what it would take to do what you feel the Lord, first of all, has called you to do. And let me just get on this for a second. Because if you don't fast and pray and seek the direction of the Holy Ghost concerning your future and what he wants you to do after high school, you are in a bad, bad place, my friend. 
You have to fast and pray and hear the voice of the Holy Ghost concerning the direction that he wants you to go in. The Bible uh, says, and I believe John 16, 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are yet to come. And so what does that tell you? It tells you that the Holy Ghost is a guide. The Holy Ghost gives direction. The Holy Ghost will declare unto you the things that are yet to come, the future. He'll give you direction about your future. So why don't you, as a person that's in a student age bracket, you're a young person, why don't you fast and pray about the direction that the Lord wants you to go before you spend $85,000 on some education that's crap anyway and will just indoctrinate you with garbage to make you not even want to attend church when you graduate in the first place and make you a mindless government zombie that has no direction, that has no passion for the thing that you even got a degree for because God never wanted you to go that direction in the first place. Sit down and calculate the cost and sit down and pray and understand and hear the leading of the Holy Ghost concerning your future and concerning your life. You must do it. You can't be like these people. Here, I have the, I have the statistic here I, I wrote down. This is a direct quote from an article I read. Changing majors when you are in, co- in college is not an uncommon practice. In fact, it's recorded that at least 80%, 80%, that's four-fifths, that's a lot, 80% of college students change their major at least once. And probably almost all of them are twice, three times, who knows. And it's insane to me to spend the amount of money, the kind of money that university costs right now because of inflation, because of all that kind of thing, and then you don't even know what you want to do. Why don't you just take a year and just chill and hear God? I would encourage you to do that. Why don't you just take a year, maybe get a job, chill out, pray in the Holy Ghost, attend revival services, fast, and hear God's voice concerning what he wants you to do. Take a year between your senior year of high school and entering into college or whatever you want to do. Maybe Bible schools, maybe God wants you to be in full-time ministry, but you're going so fast and you're listening to your secular parents that went to law school and all that, whatever, and they think there's something and they're concerned about the financial future of being in the ministry. And so they discourage you about going into, into ministry and attending Bible college. Maybe instead of listening to them and living fast and making mistakes because of it, take a break, take a, take a six-month break just to work, pray, hear God's voice, fast, be in revivals, drive to revival services, evangelist Ted's in your area, my cousin evangelist Jonathan's in your area, you know, go to the river, attend Holy Ghost meetings where the Spirit of God's moving, and then take some time to really understand what God wants you to do. Don't be like these people, because I know in high school they do that thing where they announce your senior year when you walk, what university you're attending. Who cares if when you walk for senior year, they announce that you haven't decided what you want to do? Who cares what people think? 
Let me tell you something. You won't see those people that you knew in high school probably ever again the moment that you graduate from your senior year. So who cares? Because I remember I didn't even attend like a, a brick and mortar school my last two years of high school. But I know that's a part of it where you want to be impressive with the college that you get into and you want to be seen as whatever. And maybe that's not your story, but I know peer pressure and all that kind of stuff weighs into it, especially in our generation where everything's about your Instagram account and what you, whatever, what you're showing to people and this fake life that you create through social media and all this junk. Who cares? Get to a place where you're secure enough in who you are in Christ and you're confident in his leading that you know the path that God's taking you on is a hundred times better than getting $90,000 in debt at Penn State to get some degree of a job that you don't even like and you're miserable your whole life because you were called into full-time ministry and you listen to the voice of men instead of the voice of the Holy Ghost. I promise you, you'll not regret it. You won't regret following the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost doesn't course correct. The Holy Ghost doesn't have a steering wheel. What does that mean? It means he doesn't have to turn to the left or to the right. Why? Because it's a straight path because he knows the way. It's a straight path. You know, I heard about this thing that they're making right now in, in the United States. But it's these bullet trains that they're going to be making underground where you can take a bullet train from New York to L.A. and like and get there in like an hour and a half, whereas a flight would take you like four hours, four and a half hours. And the idea of it is they're going to go underground to the point where they can do a straight shot of this train, where there's not all these different paths and having to course correct around all these different other trains or planes in their area. But there's a straight shot to their destination because they operate at a different level. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost will take you to a place where you operate at a level where there's no obstacles and where there's nothing in your way that you have to steer around and, and course correct and take a hard left turn and stop and, and detour. The Holy Spirit has no detours. It's a straight path. And so you'll never regret going the way of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to have this understanding when you're at this age of choosing what you want to do after you graduate high school. And the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. I believe that for you. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, hallelujah, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read that one more time. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not receive this today about your future. Receive this today about what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be anxious. Anxiety will not be in your mind concerning what you're going to do concerning college and post-high school life. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. 
I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'll have supernatural peace and rest concerning your future and concerning your calling. In Jesus' name, receive it now. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. (laughs) I pray it will be something that your parents that have law degrees will not understand, but you have an understanding. That it will surpass human wisdom. It will surpass human understanding. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I remember when I was getting ready to graduate high school myself, and I knew I was called into ministry. I knew I was, from a young age, I knew that. From the time I was four years old, I had an encounter with God where my father laid hands on me in one of his meetings, and I felt the Lord clearly speak to me that he was calling me to preach. And so from that moment forward, um, I actually have the picture of it on my Instagram. It's one of the first things I put on my page. But anyway, in that moment, I knew that's what my calling was, and I knew that's what the Lord was going to do with my life. And so my entire early childhood, middle school, high school, all that, I had this knowing that that's what my life was going to be. But when I was about to graduate high school, I had no idea what Bible school uh, the Lord wanted me to attend. I had no idea. I was getting anxious about it. I was getting a little worried about what school to choose. And really, there's not very many good Bible schools even in the country right now. I mean, we have like three or four maybe tops that are decent enough and that are ministry only. I mean, there's a lot of Christian colleges, but those aren't the ones you go to if you want to be in the ministry. You know, they'll teach you about how many miles there were between Judea and Samaria, but they're not going to do much else for you. And so there's probably like four choices that you have for Bible schools. And so I was pretty, I'll be honest, I was worried. I didn't know. You know, it was coming time where you're submitting applications and stuff like that. And uh, I went on a seven-day fast and began to pray in the Holy Ghost every day in my room, asking God, pleading with Him to lead me and give me direction. And, and He gave me direction. He gave me a word. And uh, I went on YouTube and I was watching Rod Parsley preaching clips from like back in the day and while I was listening to Pastor Parsley, uh, there was a link to Valor Christian College's website at the time, and I clicked on it, and as I was uh, on their website, I just felt the Holy Spirit clearly speak to me. That's where I was supposed to go, to train for the ministry. And let me tell you, the peace and the feeling of when that word comes from God for direction, there's nothing like it. And I can testify that that I understand, I know that the things that uh, I did there, the opportunities I was given, all that kind of stuff, it was where God wanted me to be, and it worked out perfectly. And so I encourage you with everything in me to do that in your life, whatever it is. And I'm not saying you have to go to Bible school. I'm not saying that you're called into full-time ministry like I am. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But I'm saying you can seek the direction of the Holy Ghost when it comes to your career choice. Maybe you want to be an engineer. Maybe you want to be a doctor. Maybe you want to be a lawyer. Maybe you want to be 
uh, whatever it is you want to be, God, by His Spirit, will lead you onto the path for that calling and for that career. I believe that for you. You know, one thing I, I love when it comes to understanding how to hear the voice of God, because you might say, okay, I, I want to do what you want, you're saying, Preston. I, I get what you're saying. I want to do it, but how do I do it? How do I hear the voice of God? And that's a question that I get all the time when people DM me and stuff is, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, fasting will help tremendously because you're, you're crucifying your flesh so that your spirit can rise to the top and you can enter into spiritual things much easier. Your spirit is much more sensitive during a fast. And so you can hear God's voice much more clearly because it drowns out all the outside noise as you crucify your flesh through fasting. Read the Bible every day, especially during these times. You need to be like on it, in the word, praying, fast, and you'll be able to hear God's voice more clearly as you do those things. But then also... Something you have to understand is the Holy Spirit is like a radio station. And radio stations have frequencies. And I, and I compare it to a radio station, and this is not my analogy. I've heard this before. The thing about a radio station is, for instance, 93.8 or, I don't know, 91.4, whatever uh, the station is, those stations are playing 24 hours a day. They're always on. They're always producing a sound. They're always saying something. There's always music playing. Certain radio stations are playing all the time. But until you dial in and tune in to the frequency that the station is on the channel, you won't hear anything that the radio station is saying. And the Holy Spirit's the same way. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. God is always speaking. His word is always going forth. He's always saying something. But until you take the dial and you tune in to the frequency of God, you can't hear what's already being said, if that makes sense. And so though God is always speaking, there are very few people that have dialed in and tuned in to the frequency that he's speaking on. But you can do that by praying, by fasting, by being in the word. I remember uh, evangelist Ted, his dad, my uncle, Ted, Shuttlesworth uh, Sr., excuse me, he told the story of this woman that came up to him after a meeting and asked him for a word. And so he went back to the pulpit and he grabbed his Bible off the pulpit and he handed it to her and he said, here you go, here's all the word that you need. And I love that because many times people are looking for some specific, you know, word from heaven that's only for them. But many times you'll get a word from God just from reading his written word. Sometimes you don't even need a spoken prophetic word. All you need is the written word of God that's already available to you. But many Christians aren't satisfied with that. They don't have a word life. They don't understand that. And so they're always seeking some outside approval, some word from man, something, you know, whatever. And they don't seek the already written, established will and word of God that's available to them. And so do that as well. Tune in to the Holy Ghost. And choose to hook into a system that won't lead you into debt, but will lead you into overflow and into abundance because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so I promise you, if you apply these things to your life, if you'll understand the enemy that student loan debt is and the trap 
of debt in the U.S. financial system, even while you're young, I believe it will help you tremendously. You'll look back over your life and you'll have no regrets in Jesus' name. I pray that over you today. If you hook into God's system and you tune into the channel of the Holy Ghost, you'll never be led astray and you'll never lack what you need. You'll always have more than enough. I'll say that again as we approach the praying and closing of this podcast today. If you hook into God's system and tune in to the channel of the Holy Ghost, you'll never be led astray and you'll never lack what you need. Let's pray together as we close this episode. Father, I thank you for all of the listeners today. I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord, that you're leading them on a path that will break them free from the world system of finances. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, they shall lend and not borrow in Jesus' name. They shall not be in debt. They shall not be anxious about their future. They shall not be entrapped by a worldly system. But I pray in the name of Jesus, by the word of God, by your power, that they'll be broken free from that bondage forever and ever in the name of Jesus. I thank you for an overwhelming supply. I thank you for increase. I thank you for promotion. I thank you for blessings from heaven. I thank you, God, that you have more than enough. I thank you, Lord, that you own all the silver and all the gold. I thank you, Lord, that you lack no good thing and that you're able to bless to overflow and abundance. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray it over every listener of the podcast today. And it's in that precious name that we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you today. I hope this podcast helped you. Uh, I don't know the next time I'll be on with you, but I'll probably be on with you in the future. And uh, I pray that you'll be blessed and you'll have nothing to worry about. And God will work everything out for your good. And you'll never regret going the way of the Holy Ghost. I love you today. I hope to talk to you again soon. Have a blessed week in the name of Jesus. See you guys.